Hello, everybody. Friends, welcome back to and also with y'all. I'm the Reverend James D. Franklin III, and I'm so excited to announce that we are expanding. A few episodes ago, we announced a new host, Eliza Brinkley, digital missioner, who you all now love dearly, I'm sure. Well, guess what? If you remember back to our second episode, I interviewed Caleb Tabor, who is now the campus and young adult missioner for Raleigh. We, I love Caleb so much and uh, his energy that we decided, hey, you know what? The more the merrier, our newest co-host, Caleb Tabor, will be joining Eliza and myself in this delightful and meaningful work of listening to and lifting up young adult voices as we navigate questions of vocation, politics, and theology. In this episode, Caleb speaks with friend Mary, who is a social worker at a hospital in the intake unit for the emergency department for mental health. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Caleb and Mary. Chaplain Caleb Tabor with the Cheshire House in Raleigh. That's the uh, Episcopal Young Adults and uh, Campus Ministries. And one of the things I'm doing is I am helping out with this podcast that the diocese does. Um, it's called And Also With Y'all. And we are doing a subsection of that content. Don't you love that? I. That's so good. Oh, James came up with it. It wasn't me. I'm your <sighs> creativity. Um, so but what we're doing is we're recording these things and it's a little subsection called distancing diaries where we're kind of focusing on like just how young people in general are dealing with um, an unprecedented sort of <laughs> while you know trying to either like figure out how to make your way in the world or or you know kind of like even more tragically you sort of felt like you had a, a grasp on everything and you're like oh i'm gonna do it and then now you're like oh no i'm not um I saw this fantastic, like, meme. It was like everybody in 2015 who uh, talked about where they were going to be in five years got it wrong. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not ready to be confronted with that reality yet. Oh uh, well, this you know, um, I'm a chaplain, and the truth will set you free. So you know, get ready. Um, I'm ready to be free. Yeah, and w- with me today is the, the wonderful, the magnificent, and the magnanimous Mary Houston. Mary. Hi. Hi. Mary works at UNC Chapel Hill uh, in the, the hospital there. She's a social worker. She And you work with psychiatric intake. Is that right? Yes. I'm with our psychiatry emergency service. Mm. Um, so we see anything and everything that walks through the door at the emergency department. Um, kids, adults, um, older adults with a plethora of psychiatric complaints. Great. And you are a social worker. You got a master of social work from UNC Chapel Hill as well. I did. You did. Too, didn't you? Yep. I just can't leave. Just, you know, you're nothing if not consistent. But honestly, these days, consistency is a virtue. So mm-hmm. I say run with, you know what I mean? <laughs> Very good. 
So uh, I am curious um, for you to tell us, okay, so um, I really actually am very intrigued by your position in all of this because you're an essential worker, right? You yes. didn't get any, any time off, any time nope. to like distance yourself. Everyone's like, well, the world's going all to piss. And you're like, well, okay, I guess I'm gonna be like right smack <laughs> on the front line, right? Like that was your, Correct. that's your... <laughs> <laughs> were you like anyway. in the room when that happened because that's exactly what happened <laughs> my divine eye is open i am in all places dear. <laughs> that's why i struggled so much with getting the zoom thing set up um so, <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so i'm curious about that because it's like you know you hear about like like doctors nurses you know that's kind of the general like like healthcare thing that you hear about the most right but what you do is, is, is really interesting to me because it's like on the front line of dealing with mental health, like that's in a pandemic. So um, would you please just expand uh, on that a little bit in terms of, give us like a little bit of an idea, like a little taste, right? Um, yes. Of what it was like before for some contrast. And then yes. like, you know, after it hit the fan, how did that maybe change a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so before things weren't great either. They were just not great in a different way. That I think it's it's true in North Carolina and probably true um, across the country as well. But mental health resources are few and far between at all levels of care. So, you know, part of my job is to determine if somebody needs to come into the hospital or doesn't need to come into the hospital and presumably then needs a lower level of care. So outpatient therapy, things like that. Um, so before the pandemic, there were not a lot of resources. There, it was limited by insurances and wait lists and location, especially in this area of, you know, having to drive to different cities to get the right fit. And now after the pandemic, uh, it's even worse. Um, there, uh, because of all the distancing requirements, which I fully support, it's almost impossible to get people hooked up with resources that they need uh, because now you also need to have a phone or a computer, which a lot of folks that we see don't. So it was very interesting because immediately after the pandemic kind of hit the fan, um, we saw a sharp, sharp decrease in the people that were coming into the emergency room in general. So we had this weird kind of honeymoon period for our team where we just didn't see, I feel like we, did, we weren't seeing anybody. It was very bizarre. Like nobody was coming in. People were off, taking off work because there, we had too many clinicians working. And so that happened for a couple of weeks and we were like, well, we know this isn't going to last forever. And it certainly didn't. And now we're kind of seeing the climb back up to normal census levels, um, but still not with a lot of resources to refer people to. And, and so, you know, are people coming in with um, kind of the same kinds of issues they had before? Are they coming in with different ones or like, you know, I would imagine this, like if you're already kind of, this is not easy for people who are not dealing with um, significant mental health issues 
anyway, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> so would you tell me a little bit, I mean, have you seen like a difference in um, like, if not necessarily the number of people, like has mm -hmm. there been a difference in the, maybe like the intensity or things that they're concerned about? Yeah, there was definitely, you know, I think a shift in the types of stories that we would see. And, and I don't think, I don't think anybody comes in without telling somebody that part of the reason they're coming in has to do with COVID. Whether it is, uh, you know, a lot of what we see is the increase, yeah, that social isolation, social isolation piece has been really tough for, for folks of all, you know, whether it's that they're struggling with depression or schizophrenia or, um, you know, any sort of, you know, or they're a child or they're an adult, um, the social, isola social isolation, I, why can't I say that? Social isolation. Isolation, right? It's uh... <laughs> good God. Um, but that piece, that piece has been a huge part of that. You know, the acute stressors of yeah. of why people are coming in, and I don't think we've seen as many folks. I definitely, we've definitely seen a few where it's like they haven't had a mental health crisis before this, and now this is the first. You know, due to like college students, you know, being out of school, being away from their peers, um, still having to be at school, these like, you know, approaching graduation, these kind of exquisite stressors um, yeah. in a place where you can't get the normal supports that you usually would. But I think a lot of it was just, yeah, people who are just kind of gritting their teeth and trying to get through it. And we're seeing them, you know, when they can't, when they can't, you know, grit their teeth and get through it anymore. Have you know, I mean, what's the, are you seeing, is it when you were talking about like, you know, young people kind of like getting ready for graduation and stuff, are you seeing more of them or is it like their parents? Like what's the proportion mm -hmm. of kind of young people, like kind of, I guess, between the ages of like, the way I'm describing young adults and, and using it is between uh, the age of 20 and uh, midlife crisis. So like what, like 40, 45? <laughs> That's very generous. Yeah, I, I do appreciate well, you know, I, in this category. And I try to cultivate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I had the data in front of me because it's going to be biased regardless because of my uh, <laughs> whatever I'm going to remember the most. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say, I mean, I think we still we get a good proportion of, of that population. Mm -hmm. um, I think regardless, but definitely during this time of. of yeah, of, of, of this unprecedented time, as we say, um, this time of COVID, again, limiting a lot of those natural supports that people would otherwise rely on. Sorry, my cat is also in here and oh, that's okay. being very loud. You know, you know, St. Julian of Norwich um, was an anchoress, right? And an anchoress is somebody that shuts themselves away in a room and like mm -hmm. just lives there during a plague time in medieval England and she had a cat. Wow, I feel like I needed to know this right before the pandemic started so that I could just call on her to <laughs> <laughs> in my darkest times. <laughs> sitting there like like locked away with your cat and it's just like it's just you know chaos outside you're like Julian honey you know you know. <laughs> wow oh, yeah. that's incredible. So that is really interesting um I yeah so what is it like, like personally, 
being told, yeah, you know, you can't really work from home and um, you have to come in and you have to do it. Like, what is, I mean, what was that? I think right at the beginning, I expected it just because, you know, for, for other folks I know that work in mental health, they weren't necessarily expecting it because they do outpatient work. You know, they're doing, they're not doing the essential work, but they're being called in now as reserves. Um, but for me, you know, I've been an essential worker even prior to a pandemic. So I was coming in on snow days, you know, there's a hurricane coming, like I'm, I'm still coming to work. So at the beginning I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense that I'm coming in. And I think as the, the weeks have turned into months, it's been, I think a little bit of resentment um, <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah, uh, of going, well, yeah, I know I'm essential, um, but I'm not getting hazard pay. I'm not uh, getting really any additional resources. Sometimes some planes fly over the sky and I'm supposed to be grateful for that. Sometimes they put up a sign saying, thanking all the heroes and sheroes who work at the hospital, which gives me free rage to feel. Um, <laughs> I need a shero. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be angry if it was like a singing sign and like specifically <laughs> saying that every time I walked by yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but it just, you know, just like surrounded by like propaganda of like, you know, you're so, you're a hero. You're so essential. Why demonstrate that you're, that you're valuable through giving you the resources you need for your job and, and paying you um, when we throw up a sign and hopefully that, you know, makes you all verklempt, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Why so I do that? Not to, hop on my, like, not to hop on my like political stump here, but you know, <clears throat> we do kind of condition people from the beginning who go into things like teaching social work that it's not about the pay, right? You're the work that you do this because it's rewarding. You do this because you know it changes people's lives. You do this because it molds the next generation, which the next question out of my mouth is, well, then why the hell isn't it about the pay to a certain extent, right? In a, in a, in a society like ours, we largely um, assign value to people, to things, to businesses, to, to industries um, with money, right? Money is, the new, yeah. money is the new blessing, right? It's the new indulgences, right? Like that's the new like, you know, you're, you know, in a, in a situation like this, being rich is the equivalent of salvation and being poor is the equivalent of damnation, right? You can never get mm -hmm. out. So um, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's just kind of a continuation, isn't it? Of like, we are acknowledging that we couldn't do this without you, but we're not really gonna pay you for it. <laughs> We're not going to acknowledge you that much. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, we all know that, you know, I mean, the health industry doesn't make a lot of money anyway. So it's. <laughs> right. There's no money in healthcare. There's no money in that. So, um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. I, I was, yeah. How do you, I'm, I'm assuming you're not like a huge fan of all the thank you hero signs, but I'm. No, and some people are. I've I work, you know, I, I work with lots of people who do actually find that very gratifying because that's mm. the way that they, you know, receive thanks. Um, and I think they're also of a different generation than I am. I think they're of an older generation that 
I don't know if it's either something to do with specifically the generation or age, but something about like the respect that comes with, you know, a bunch of ambulances driving by or, you know, a flyover from a, you know, a, a, a military team. But I've definitely found among my coworkers who are, you know, around my age, it's definitely gotten, you know, it's, it's more meme fodder. It's more like outrage kind of. Uh, if, it's, if, if we're thinking about generational issue, if, you know, not feeling respected is kind of an emotional issue with one generation where, um, or like not feeling appreciated is an issue with one generation and then like um, not having financial security or stability even from day one is more of an issue with the other one, right? So mm -hmm. it's like the sign thing kind of, if you're not as worried about financial security or not worried about it in the same kinds of ways, and a big thing that you've been dealing with is like feeling underappreciated, unseen, unsung, mm -hmm. like the unsung hero, right? Um, or Shiro. Or Shiro, <sighs> right? <laughs> Thank you, Pat. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, everybody's always like, oh, what do you like at work? I'm like, I'm like literally exactly like I am any other time. And that's why I'm shocked that they gave me a microphone and an assignment. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but. Um... It's, it's fine. I'll say it, you know. I said, what are we <laughs> the truth will set you free, right? That's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> every time. So, um. I'm curious too about like in your in your particular situation like what are you what are you doing to take care of yourself like what are you doing to stay grounded like what keeps you connected to something that's not the chaos I uh, I will say as an introvert which people who know me don't view me as an introvert because I'm very extroverted with the people that I'm closest with but painfully introverted in every other respect um, so as an introvert, I have actually found a lot of solace in the Zoom revolution um, <laughs> because it has kind of given everybody that I know an excuse to not go out right. and to be available kind of all the time for a movie night or just a group chat. So to the point, like, where after this started, like, I've had at least one and usually multiple times a week times where I have been able to connect with friends, you know, that are close or not close. And we're able to like, I have social work friends that I'm able to meet with where we complain about work and that's really helpful. But then we also, you know, talk about the books and shows that we're watching and, you know, have a movie club where, you know, we either watch really good movies or really terrible movies and both are great because they're all, you know, distractions and it's all fostering connection. And so for somebody who doesn't usually socialize that much, it's been really nice uh, to have that through virtual means um, yeah. in a way that it seems more acceptable to be like, oh, let's set up a Zoom call and hang out than like maybe pre-pandemic. It's like, we're going to hang out virtually? Like, ah. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe that was just me. That was my, my, my view of like what it would be like if I, you know, suggested, oh, why don't we just have a quick FaceTime? I mean, you know, to me, I mean, to be fair to you, I, 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 it never occurred to me to do that with anyone unless they were like, you know, really far away, right? Like right. Uh, in, uh, in Minnesota. And, you know, I mean, if we're going to chat or something, I mean, we're not going to like hop on a plane. 
you know, it's like, I mean, we might like once a year, but like not on a regular basis, right? So that we'd have to hang out, you know, some other way. But doing that with people who are a little closer now is kind of part of the, the, the Zoom revolution here. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, because you say that y'all watch movies uh, together and that kind of gets a bit of a distraction, right? But then, then you turn around and like you talk about the movies or whatever. And so while the movie kind of takes you out of it, the, the increased interaction with other people kind of takes you more deeply into your relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know and I mean? sometimes, depending on the movie we're watching, it takes us deeper into the pandemic because one of the movies we watched recently was Mad Max Fury Road, which is an excellent movie. <laughs> but I must say, watching it in 2015 when it came out versus 2020, there's a whole other emotional layer that goes on top of that movie. You know, um, and it takes us right back to in 2015, where are you in five years? <laughs> my God. I'm I will say that living the Fury Road. <laughs> uh, it did. It you know. I I am also somebody who finds a lot of like joy in crying, regardless of its if it's happiness or sadness or whatever I'm processing. Like it always feels good to me, and yeah. so it also is nice to like have a little excuse to to kind of feel some things, whether it's happy or angry or whatever, and just like have a little cry about it and then yeah. while I'm processing you know something with friends I that's been I think something I didn't anticipate being so soothing during a pandemic but it has been fantastic well you know it's given you a chance to I don't know get to know yourself a little better um yeah, yeah that's wonderful um and then finally and i will i will i will stop bothering you um <clears throat> it's you have never a bother Oh, never a bother. Aren't you sweet? Um, is there any kind of advice, recommendation, or something like that that you might have for um, for religious groups, religious institutions about, I mean, other than like, you know, not trying to like get out of, of you know, public safety and, and try to meet together. Like <laughs> something that, you know, in the course of your work or in the course of your own experience, just kind of like as a as a young adult sort of, muddling your way through all this. Is there something that, that we can do that might be helpful? I think that, you know, church communities and religious communities have such um, a huge impact, you know, on, if I'm bringing it back to my, the patients that I see, have such a, a huge impact on, on um, community. And, um, you know, there's so many times where I'm seeing somebody and, you know, they're, they're citing those their church groups or whatever it is, their spiritual community as one of their main supports. And so in whatever way it's possible to continue to be available as supports uh, for, for young people, especially I think who, again, who are trying to find themselves in a time of where the world is just continues to like fall apart um, for like, I don't know, like the last 15 years, it seems. Um, it's really, uh, so, very, it's really been very purpose driven, right? Hasn't it? Yeah. Like, I, am, I am going to fall the hell apart. I don't care what you say. I don't care what laws you pass. You think you're going to get the economy together. Ooh, watch this, honey, here comes a disease. Like, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Uh, so, so, so yeah, having, having that, you know, community, I think, remain available, you know, taking advantage. I know you have of, like, the virtual capabilities of, 
you know, re outreach and um, engagement, I think is great because um, we're all super uh, proficient in technology, right? Yeah. We are, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, having, yeah. <clears throat> some people, many, statistically speaking, that is true, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think just, yeah, that, that continuing to be that support for people, I think is, is totally invaluable, especially at this time when other supports are less accessible or, you know, I mean, people's families are, are getting sick and dying and, and, you know, it's on, on top of it, there's so many more additional stresses that are very real um and that are not easy to be like well you can just manage that no they're 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 significant stressors so yeah that would be that would be my recommendation so you're a you know <clears throat> social worker you work in mental health um so like there may be some clergy who are trained certified counselors psychologists psychiatrists things like that but by and large, we get like pastoral care training, but not like the, oh, I'm going to walk, you know, like one-on-one -on -one therapy kind of training. So um, realizing that one can always do more harm than good when they don't know what they're doing or know just enough to be dangerous. You know, I kind of, we can't really do like the whole therapist role and I'm not even really sure that's our job to begin with. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I've been doing, and I am curious to just sort of get your opinion on it as we wrap up here, is I have been working on um, activities and uh, different things that we can do together to learn how to let go of stress and anxiety, kind of mm -hmm. calm the mind, um, and both let go of stress and anxiety, learn how to calm the mind, and then also learn how to like cultivate joy, happiness, equanimity. And it's, it's usually through things like like guided meditations are really helpful. Um, I know some of my colleagues are really well trained in like yoga, things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we'll do like centering prayers and like contemplative uh, services with our students where we're not necessarily like saying, okay, you know, let's open the, let's open the mental suitcase and unpack everything in it. Right. <laughs> like We're just learning how to, how to hold the mental suitcase like a little more gently. Is that, I mean, do you think that would actually like, does that kind of thing feed into people's general well-being, or are we just kind of? I mean, I would argue yes, because, and you know, I'll be a little bit honest, I'm not doing therapy right now either. <laughs> Working in crisis work <laughs> yeah. is yeah. not therapy. It's it's yeah. very much not intentionally because yeah, we are, again, we are also trying not to unpack the bag. We're right. just trying to see like where, which terminal are we sending the bag that will then, you know, get yeah. picked up and unpacked? So in a similar way, you know, the, the interventions that we're performing in the emergency room are those exact same things. We're seeing somebody in crisis and we're just working with them to be like, hey, let's figure out how, to, how do you get to know yourself a little bit better? Mm -hmm. um, and we do a lot of the, you know, we do a lot of recommendations for the guided meditations for deep breathing exercises, um, for, you know, coming up with plans like to, um, you know, inject um, pleasant activities into somebody's day, knowing that it's not going to, you know, fix and solve everything, but helping somebody identify those things. So I think that is great, especially if I think the hardest part is getting somebody on board with that. But if somebody's already on board mm -hmm. with that, I mean, I do 
guided meditations and, and deep breathing. And it's, um, it's one of those things where you, you know, you, one might look at it and scoff and when you do it and you're like, Oh, I feel great. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> oh yeah. Like I don't walk around all day breathing. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no. Oh no. This is a totally different thing. This is a totally different kind of breathing. You like, do it and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> was I ever really breathing before this? No, I really don't think yeah. I was. It's like that, it's like when you make like a move from uh, eating like a really gross version of a really good dish and like you taste it for the first time, right? Like yes. when I'm at my parents' house and I tasted real butter instead of just margarine, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh darling, That's this is going to taste so, so relatable. <laughs> oh my God. I literally had that experience when I went and like bought really nice butter from Whole Foods like yeah. months ago. I yeah. was like, this is what butter's supposed to taste. Like, wow, it's so rich and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's flavorful and it's not like greasy and weird. Like, <laughs> God, I love butter. Um, <laughs> I'm also very hungry. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's the that's the idea. Um, and now that we brought it around to butter, I think that's maybe going to be the end of the conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Mary. For just you know, just like like being open about your experiences and things like that. I know that's not always the easiest thing, and um, I hope that this has given you the opportunity to feel heard because it's <clears throat> I think it's really important for. Um, People to get their stories out there. It, it lets everybody know that if they have similar kinds of issues they're struggling with, they're not alone. Um, or it raises awareness to other people about different kinds of issues that people in different places and walks in life struggle with. So you did a great thing today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to to talk with you, whether it is for for fun or for work or what I would argue this was a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, one tries to have fun at work, right? It's yes. What is it they said, uh, Jack Nicholson said, all work and no play, right? Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what right. that was going for. That's what it was going for, yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much, dear. That was fun. I really enjoyed their convo and hope y'all did too. One thing that I heard that resonates is that the cheerleading and, and the praise for those working on the front lines is okay, but it's patronizing if your money is not where your flyovers are. Gospel Economy says that even the last to join the harvest still gets the same amount of pay in Jesus's parable. And in our economy, teachers, helping professions, and quite literally farm workers work all day with greater risks for less pay than the other professions that earn rich people more money. And something is wrong with that system. And it's worse if you're a woman and if you have more melanin. But Caleb and Mary talked about meditation and breathing and how meaningful it has been for them 
it's really helped me through this pandemic crisis and during my time working well trying to work from home especially but for more resources check out the yeah nc app the y-e-a-h-n-c app where you'll find links to other podcasts and other christian meditations caleb uh, actually leads meditations and they're delightful so i hope that you can check those out and see you next time for more distancing diaries with caleb and eliza thanks a lot for listening god be with y'all